0: BlueNile.com
1: Hello and welcome to The Ruck. I'm Malik Lowe, and I've been asked to come back off the bench to host this week's episode. There's been some confusion over the replacement card that was handed in to our producer because under tactical and injury, Owen the appears to have scribbled a new box marked a few days in Devon. Anyway, that's the one that he's ticked, and as Owen works out what to do with his scones, we've plenty of rugby to discuss. I'm joined this week by Stephen Jones, Lawrence Dallio, and Jack Willis, the Washington England fanker, to pick through a weekend of high drama in the premiership, Kyle Sinclair's Lions call-up, the Springbok squad, and just who Eddie Jones might pick for England's summer tests. First things first, Ben White has just been added to the England squad for the European Championships. Ben White, the Brighton defender, not Ben White, the Leicester scrum half. <laughs> but it did get me thinking, if you could pick one rugby player to join the England squad for the European Championships, who would it be and why? Now, I, th- I should give you a bit of time to think about that. We'll maybe come back to the end. But it could be a few a few interesting contenders on that one. So let's start with our special guest, I suppose. Jack, hello.
2: Hi, mate. How are you getting on? Are you OK? Yeah, we're 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 well, thank you. How are you? More to the point, yeah, no, good, thank you. Um, rehab's been going well the last few weeks, and just chugging along nicely. Really, it's um, it's nice that the weather's picked up. Although I'm stuck in the gym most of the time and looking out um, with envy out of the gym window, but um, no, it's been been all right, thank you.
1: When we first spoke after you did the injury, you were you were kind of looking at a long stint on your own, and as much as you want anyone to be in that injury room with you, you, you actually have a couple of a couple of other players on with, with similar injuries. Does it, in some way, help to have Paolo and and, uh, and and Joe Launchbury going through rehab with you? Is it is it a sort of a, can you can you lean on each other?
2: Yeah, yeah, massively. Um, I think Paolo's having his operation in the next next couple of weeks, I'd imagine. But Launch Launch myself, uh, Ryan Mills, and, and Theo have been been sort of chugging away each day. And although I'd I'd wish that it would be just me for the whole. Whole season i'm on my own um so that everyone else is fit and raring to go unfortunately that's not the way rugby is but now i've got a a little group around me it's always quite nice because you can lean on each other have a bit of a moan when you're feeling a bit down and you sort of share a common common interest really especially with with joe and i having fairly similar injuries um both did our left knee and it's it's yeah a lot of things you can compare and and as we move forward later down in the rehab um it will start to get competitive in terms of our gym our gym and fitness and other bits and bobs around it and keep each other motivated.
1: Motivation was was quite a key thing that you spoke about at the start of this of this journey a journey that you've been on before sadly um back in 2018-19 but one of the you decided to do was was to to start a sort of a video diary and and to write some some columns detailing what you've been going through just to give yourself something to focus on how's it been have you have you managed to to stay upbeat and motivated because you you were sort of aware that there were going to be some difficult times along the way
2: yeah I think that there's always going to be be tough days so far I've actually found that Doing the documentary has been a really, really cool thing to do and, and just it's given me another distraction away from the, the fact that I'm I'm not playing rugby and, and doing what I love at the moment. So it's been really enjoyable to have that along alongside what I'm doing. I've also been working really hard on the business, the rock cap side of things that I've set up and it's just allowed me to, to have my mind focused in other areas. So I can go into training, work as hard as I can on my rehab, my fitness, weights, and then I get out of there and I can just switch off because... It, it's hard in, in so many other aspects, this recovering from this knee injury is a 24-7 job because I get home and I've got to have my leg up. I've got to make sure I'm icing. I've got to make sure I'm sleeping right on it. There, there's no there's no time throughout the day that I switch off. So having having things that can take my mind off it whilst I'm doing those those things like icing sat on the sofa, it's it's really nice to be able to drift away from it a little bit.
1: I think one of the things that, that fans and, and, and the media don't really... We don't ever get to see is, is the life of an injured player. We, we look at who's available to play at the weekend. We look at, at who's going to be picked. And if someone's not available, we just say, well, Jack Willis is injured. He's not in contention. No one ever really gives any thought to the, the gruelling process of, of seven days a week constantly. As you say, your mind is never off it. Is that as much a, a mental challenge for you to overcome as, as a physical one?
2: Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. Actually, I saw I was listening to Sky Sports News, and I suddenly saw that um, Alexander Arnold's out, and the the head the headline that sort of as they read it out was Alexander Arnold's out. Who else is going to be there to replace him? And it's just mm. it's so cutthroat that you, and it has to be that way. And that's the talking point of who's going in next. But when you do get injured, sometimes it's quite quite literally right. What well, who's on the next conveyor belt and who's in? And it's that player is then tossed aside and it's they're in the in the background. And I think that is a, a thing that a lot of players struggle to deal with. And yeah, it, it's it, it can be one that challenges you sometimes. But I think focusing on yourself, focusing on on the the best way to get yourself back is is what drives you on really.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of Lions talk coming up. There's an England squad about to be announced this week. Do you on that note, do you ever come to terms with what you're missing? And and how do you how do you come to terms with it?
2: I think, um, look, obviously my my dream would be to play for the Lions at some point. I don't don't think I'd sort of prove myself enough um, on the international stage to necessarily be in contention, to be honest with you. That's my honest opinion of where I was at. I think for me, I was much more focused on really trying to kick on with England and and push into what is a very competitive back row. And yeah, it's it's a hard one. I, I would have really, really been working as hard as I could to try and be involved and in contention for this summer tour um, with England. But it, it is what it is, isn't it? You, you, can't, you can't just sort of think about these things. It doesn't make you feel, feel the best if you do. And and that's probably the only times when I do feel a bit down is when I'm thinking about those, those types of things. Whereas the more you can keep your mind off it, keep your head clear, is the better, I find.
1: You've got a tight family that, that helped me through it. We saw... You at the game at the weekend, giving your 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 brother a, a big bear hug after his heroics. Uh, has that been has that been good for you to channel channel some of your, I guess your, your your rugby energy through through him and and, and support support Tom's endeavors because he's he's having a great season, isn't he?
2: Yeah, no. The last couple of weeks he's been he's really stepped it up. I thought he was he was unreal at the weekend and, and sort of dragged the dragged the team through after what was a pretty poor first half. But yeah, look, I, I I I love watching him play. I, I feel very privileged to in the same team as him and, and it, it does just add another element to it obviously I care so much about all my teammates but your, your brother's your brother isn't he so it's um it's a, it's another level and uh, yeah I love love watching him play and, and when he plays like that as well it's um yeah pretty special
1: and we'll talk about the, that game in a second just where are you you're about four months into your your rehab now do you have a time frame yet do you have a, a comeback date set yet or is it a bit early for that?
2: I think a lot lots of dates tend to get chucked around with different different staff different doctors they 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 have sort of timelines in in put out there i think roughly roughly this injury should have been sort of nine to ten months is what i said what the surgeon said to me after my surgery, so I think that would take me to sort of christmas time November Christmas time yeah, but for me each you've got to take each day as it comes i've got I had a review at my well, a couple of weeks ago my three month review with Andy he was really happy. Um, and I'll have another one at about six months, and then that's when at that six-month one will start to steer towards more of a timeline. I think because you get a real grip, good grip of how the knee's looking, where I'm at, and and if he's happy, then I can I can start to kick on with running and things like that. And yeah, hopefully it won't be a million miles yeah. off. But. Yeah,
3: the the key is to tell to tell these jacks to tell these press that it's twelve months, and then when you come back in <laughs> seven and a half, they think they think you're even more superhuman than you than you are. <laughs> It's twelve months, Alex. All right, and, uh, <laughs> and, the, boy, and the boy will be back in about eight because he's a, he's, a, he's Superman. And, uh, and listen, I mean, just just to jump in there, I mean, I've been through this rehab, albeit twenty years ago, and it's it's brutal, absolutely brutal. So uh, keep it going. Congratulations to you on everything you're doing, and. and you know, I'm fascinated by the fact that rugby's 24 seven, and when you do get the weekend to spend off, you decide to go and watch uh, a game of rugby um, with, <laughs> with with your brother there. But uh, yeah, it, was a, it was it was it's great to see you there, and great to see uh, the reaction that uh, you know not surprising the reaction that you, you had when uh, when he, when he not only scored a try, his third of the game, but actually the winning yeah. try in the seventh minute of injury time, and I mean, it was a it was a properly epic game of rugby. That
1: do, do you find, Chad, that having Having been through it before, that you're better equipped for nine months of, of not playing and, and having to be in the stands at, at in Brentford and and cheering them on and, and dealing with with those those dark days, like you said, you know you knew what was coming when you did the injury, and the pain and everything. You, you were you understood. I remember you saying that you know when you, when you're lying in hospital and and it hurt, you knew what was coming, pain wise. But it's the it's preparing yourself for the dark days. Has yeah. that helped
2: you cope with it? It, it's it's it really is a 50 50 split i think it helps with the fact that on a day to day basis i've got i feel like i've got like another level of of knowledge and experience from my last injury little things that i did that worked didn't work that i can add to add to what i do on a daily basis and then on the flip side i, I feel like i'm in a really good headspace at the moment which is great but there are days where i think about the months that i've got ahead of me and that or will I start to struggle like I did last time because I think last time round I didn't really have anything else in place I didn't have the business I didn't have rock cap I just had i was just me I was just a rubber player and I, I kind of lacked a bit of identity around when i when I wasn't playing I didn't really know what to do um and i did I did struggle quite a bit but this time round, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have days where I was pretty gutted and and it was such a great day on on Saturday, Saturday watching watching the boys play and get that win. But there's so much of me that that when when you sort of get back and you sat at home after all the buzz had, had settled down, I do feel pretty sad that I'm not not out there and I'm not alongside him. It's just it's such a such a cool feeling being out there, and and games like that they they're just incredible moments you can't replicate in any other walk of life. So yeah throughout this injury i think i've learned learned lots but there's some things that you just can't feel better with missing out on rugby and days like that is is what hurts
1: and and last time we spoke you talked of, of your determination to come back better and stronger and and bigger and more powerful talk about being in a good headspace is that those are the things that you're focusing on now have you got have you made improvements already in in terms of strength and and size? Obviously, your ball carrying and explosiveness will have to wait a bit until, until that knee's stronger. But you know, in terms of, of of the aims and the ambitions that you set yourself through this period, where are you with those?
2: Yeah, I've been working really hard in the gym um, to to put on a bit of bit of size, but in a in a in a good way, not just sort of getting bigger for the sake of it. Because I think one thing that you can get distracted with is the most important thing is being functional on a rugby pitch. You don't want to just have arms out here and not be able to move still. So (laughs) for me, being able to output high levels of strength and power is what's going to be important. I think it's a bit of a, as I'm out for such a long period, is a bit of a process, is a building process of muscle mass and strength. And then as you get to that final end, you can really start to add that power phase. and, And hopefully for me, I, one of my biggest work-ons was probably being a, a better athlete all round after, after going into England camp, sort of identifying that with the likes of Tom Curry, Sam Underhill, you realise the levels of physique that they're, they're at. And for me, I had, to, had to, to go get, I need to get to that level and, and hopefully go beyond because to compete with, with those lads, that's where, that's where I need to be. So, yeah, using this as a, an opportunity that was sort of forced upon me, be, being an injury, but I can, I can definitely turn into a positive.
1: Steve, you were at the game on Saturday, were you? The lost game?
4: Yeah. Well, I said it was the greatest premiership game I ever played. And uh, I then watched it again yesterday, just in case I hadn't gone completely over the top. And I still think so. <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about entertainment... A, a brand new sporting venue for a start, which I thought was was, was tremendous, uh, right in an area of London where you're going to get loads of people, you know, floating voters, maybe coming along into rugby. That was good. It would have been handy if I hadn't parked at the wrong stadium and walked round the old football ground seven times to try and find the bloody entrance. I thought, oh, this is not that great. The floodlights are really old. Anyway, I eventually got to the gun, but it it, it was absolutely tremendous and. I have to say, you know, just listening to our guest, the professional rugby player these days, that people in the future will will hopefully will realise what they put into the game. You know, when when the game has been financially struggling, but Wasps had no price at halftime in that game. They had played badly, but fair play, London Irish had played ever so well. Bloody well! People like Curtis Rona and, and and these guys were tremendous. They hit Wasp like a thunderclap at the start, and then obviously, um, you if you're a journalist on deadline, you then write your intro at half time, thinking, "Well, there's no way anyone, you know, London London Irish hammer Wasps, you know, Wasp shame But the time you get all that done, Wasp has scored four tries in the second half. Second half, it was it, it, it's just wonderful. Both sides. And anyone who says actually that it, oh the defence must have been poor they weren't because there were some of the biggest hits of the season in that game. I'm glad that um, Jack's brother had a good game. It's very difficult if Jack could come on. And you asked me what was Jack's brother like? I can, I can hardly <laughs> say he was bloody awful, but t- he he was absolutely awesome, and the back row as well, and the shift that some of these boys have put in, despite the injury list the was have was just beyond words it was an absolutely great game and one of the great days of the premiership absolutely loved it
1: Jack at halftime what's were 33 10 down were you in the stand thinking I bet Lee Blackett is giving them an absolute horrid time in that in that dressing room or were you thinking it'll be pretty calm they know where they've gone wrong I mean what, what were you thinking in the stand about about what was going on in the dressing room beneath you
2: yeah, I, th- I think in my head I was thinking he would have every right to go mental right now. I think the stage we're at in the season um, and how important that game was. If he'd if he'd sort of gone full Alex Ferguson and and chucking chuck chuck all sorts at them, I, I think it would have been acceptable. But speaking to my brother afterwards, I think he just said, "Look, two options now. We can just roll over and and we'll be out of Europe, or you can go and show how much it means to you." And and that. And that, I think the boys did that, didn't they? They went out, and I think Lee was fairly calm with how he went about it. He literally said that that's your two options, and and see what you can do. And they, um, they yeah, they certainly certainly proved what it meant. And we've got a very big game against a, a pretty fierce Leicester squad at the moment um, next weekend. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna come down to the wire, which is in the, in worst fashion, isn't it? So uh, hopefully we can we can squeeze into Europe and and, and kick on like we want to next year.
1: It's been an up and down, sort of tricky season for us, but that, you know you're not helped by missing some big name players. So to to get that fight out of them in you know when, with I guess a European place to play for, but 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 missing so many big names, does that show some good signs for 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 sort of bouncing back
2: from a tricky season next year? I think so. I think it, it's such a weird one this season, the way it's been. I think we all came back from COVID with so much energy and such a buzz about us, to just it was game after game after game, the whole squad was happy because everyone was playing one game a week at least and then you come into this season after losing the Premiership final, very very short pre-season for us and then it was a bit of a, it's been a bit of a lull really, emotionally it's, a, it's hard to get back up to where we were I think and, and there's been there's been a lot of things going on in and around it as well I think you come off the back of a season like that and it's it's always going to be a a bit of a dip when you don't end up achieving what you want and there's a lot of building going in around the squad had an an internationals away for a long period as you say a few injuries a lot of disruption that goes in and around that and hopefully we'll have a full pre-season now can regather everything and and it's, it's the I think it'll be the first full pre-season really under Lee and and the new S&C guys so it's an opportunity for them to really put their marker in and and we can kick on into next season I think yeah hopefully hopefully the few pretty much all of the injured crew at the moment will be back in and around the beginning of the season maybe just after but before Christmas we should have everyone back so yeah fingers crossed we'll be we'll be trucking along.
1: What do you make of it Lawrence I mean Chad mentioned that the Leicester game next week with europe on the line Leicester are going to be a pretty angry bunch after after the way things finished um in that They're always remarkable an angry end. Bunch.
3: <laughs> yeah i mean I mean it was a um uh, i mean I have to say just going back to the game itself was london Irish i mean i was uh, irish was i was fearful for was at half time i i thought uh you know, because I spoke to Lee in the build-up to the game, and he said, "Look, it's, this is our final. You know, we're we come, we come out of the blocks firing. We know it's all on the line. It's a must-win game. And I mean, the only thing they could win, they couldn't even win. They wouldn't have even won a raffle in the first half. I mean, it literally. I think they they won two scrums. That was the only thing they won. Uh, every other contest, they they were comprehensively smashed off the park. And you know, you think to yourself, well." how can you just wipe the slate clean and come out second half completely different? Because it was actually the the complete opposite of of the first half. And, and and in the end they they deserved it because they had the momentum with them. Um, Obviously I watched the Leicester game against Bristol. And and again, they produced a fight back against a quality side like Bristol and, and could have, you know, I'm sure we'll get onto it in a minute, could have and, and possibly should have won, won that game. So yeah, listen, I think, the, the benefit Lee and the, and the boys have got now is, is that their destiny is in their own hands, which at halftime it, it still very much was, but you didn't expect it to happen. So uh, to qualify for the Champions Cup, which will be a massive incentive for all of them. And it'd be great for the fans um, to, to, to do that against the Tigers at home, you know, with fans in the stadium is, is, is all you want really. So uh, you wouldn't want anyone other than Leicester, would you coming up to see you? I mean, I know I wouldn't. So uh, You know, let's see if if the guys can do it. And it's going to go right to the wire. London Irish are still in the mix. They go down to Bristol. Uh, Bath somehow are still in the mix, probably more through COVID than playing well. And that's not me being biased. That's just a fact. It's, uh, you know, they've been given four points, so they're probably happier than anyone at the minute. They they host uh, the Saints uh, at the rec. So, look, you know, Northampton Saints are already in fifth place. So you've got four clubs buying for the last three spots, which, which I think makes it really exciting for, for rugby fans, for everyone, because it's, it, it's all on the line, really.
1: So go on there, Laurence. Try and talk us through what happened at the end of that Leicester-Wasps game. I, I, I was away with my family, was watching on Channel 5. I thought David Flatman did a brilliant job of trying to explain an incredibly complicated yeah. kind of technical rugby thing to a, a terrestrial audience. Yeah, I mean, it, it is
3: and it is complicated and in the heat of the battle, maybe coaches say things and do things and maybe, you know, everyone jumps to conclusions that the laws have been broken, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe they've, you know, it, it is difficult, but what I would say is it whatever happened it is not a good look for, for, for rugby, um, you know, to have two coaches arguing on the touchline. I mean, I guess in football you see it every week, don't you really? <laughs> yeah. Coaches in dugouts arguing, you know, with each other, fourth official in the middle, kind of looking, going, Oh, I'm not sure what to do here. Um, but uh, the reality is, John Alfoa is is a, is a wonderful player. Pat Lamb normally takes him off the field around about the 40 45th minute every yeah. week to preserve him because he wants to keep him going for a few more years, quite understandably. Um, and you take him off for tactical reasons because, uh, you know, if you make a tactical substitution, then you can bring the player back on, uh, should you need to. Um, so it was written down on the card as a tactical substitution by the Bristol team manager. And then obviously uh, when, uh, when Leicester had a a player removed at the end of the game, you know, they were, they were looking to, uh, to bring John Arfeur on and Pat Lamb runs down and says, uh, well, he he can't, uh, he can't come on, he's injured. And, uh, and Steve Borthwick said, well, a minute, it's written as as tactical and the, in Tempest, the referee said that, but obviously um, if if Arthur comes back on, then it means they have to withdraw another player because of the yellow card and they would have gone into a scrum or a line out with, uh, with even less players. So uh, I guess it leaves a sorry taste in the mouth because it, it kind of looks for all money like Bristol manipulated the situation to their advantage as maybe my old was team have done on many an occasion against Leicester, <laughs> which is why the law was brought in in the first place, I would imagine. So <laughs> I'm not throwing stones in glass houses at all in any way whatsoever, but uh, it wasn't a great look. It's one of those, it's one of those laws that that needs tidying up because it's open to abuse and you could sort of understand why Leicester were, were, were furious at the end of the game. But uh, the top, I mean, the top thing is
2: John. John Alfaro looked ready to run back on, didn't he? Jumped up, ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it didn't help the situation. Yeah, yeah.
3: No, I'm, not, I'm not injured. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's a really tricky one. I'm sure the RFU will look at it and and they may want to review it and do and but they have to gather all the facts and. And what we mustn't, you know, and maybe it's easy for us pundits to jump to conclusions and, and when we've got all the footage to watch and to look at, but what we have, what we mustn't forget is in the heat of the battle, even the best coaches and directors of rugby can get things wrong. You know, maybe he thought it was tactical, then he's injured, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it needs tidying up, but it but it leaves Leicester aggrieved. But at the end of the day, I think Bristol and their individual brilliance was enough to win the game. You know, Harry Randall, Randra, Maylin's you know, as much as as Leicester have got all that aggression and thunder, um, they're still not quite there in terms of uh, in terms of the, the individual brilliance of a side like Bristol. And, and And the right outcome was Bristol won the game.
1: It, it seemed like um, like th- those two boxes that you take the tactical box or the or the injury box, it, according to to Bristol, didn't neither quite fitted because he he didn't go off injured, but he went off for player welfare protection reasons. So therefore, it was a it was a voluntary replacement in that sense, but they'd already decided he had to come off because because he was back a week earlier than usual because Carl Sinclair had dropped out. And,
3: and I and I suppose that you know, listen, there there is a scenario where a player can come off for tactical reasons, and then he can be sat down and cramp up, and he can't go back on the field. But uh, as Jack said, you know, John John, John first sort of jumped <laughs> up and said, "No, no, I'll, there's nothing wrong with me. I'll, I'll go back on if I'm needed." Type thing. So uh, yeah, it didn't it didn't. Didn't create a great scenario, and I just—it's it, a look that rugby doesn't really want to to have. You don't want coaches arguing on the sideline when the game, and you felt for the referee, didn't you? Because there's so many things going on in his head, as there was for Wayne Barnes in that in that France Wales game, you know, all those years ago. And they don't—they don't need to be sorting out. You know, I mean, you, you had Pat Lamb saying to him, "If he gets if he goes on and gets injured, it's on your head." I mean, that's that a little yeah. bit strong. Leicester Bristol at. at, at Matoli Welford Road, as we now have to now call it, uh, will be uh, lively next season, won't it? I mean, uh, (laughs) just just off the back of what happened in the last ten minutes, with a and let's you know, fingers crossed, it'll be not just in front of six and a half thousand, but maybe maybe twenty five thousand. It'd be fantastic.
1: There was another comeback on Sunday, extra extra 18 points down to beat Northampton with concerns from that game over, over the fitness of Sam Simmons. And, and you know, as we record this Monday morning, we don't know the update. Rob Baxter was, was quite cautious about not, um, not, not kind of casting too much of a cloud over him yet. Um, twisted ankle, it sounded like. Uh, and now and that's set up, lots you talk about the, the race for Europe that set up next week, uh, a shootout extra sale for the right to they'll meet again the following week and the right to host the the semi-final
3: yeah I mean listen it was a wonderful game at at Saints um and you know for all those people are sort of thinking well promotion no promotion no relegation Saints had you know apparently had nothing to play for um they're sort of locked in in that in that fifth spot that they've qualified for the Champions Cup that they they, they can't make the playoffs and and they can't really fall much lower. Um, But boy, did they come out and and, and play well against the Chiefs. And as you say, even with uh, David Ribbons, um, you know, sent off after 13 minutes, I thought they were magnificent. And in the same way as as London Irish smash was in the first half, Chiefs literally were were obliterated for 40 minutes. They they went after them at the breakdown. Uh, They went after them uh, at scrum. They went after them everywhere, in fact. Um, And, it just goes to show that if you are just a few a few things off mentally um you know and you're not quite expecting that that you can be beaten against anyone um well anyone bar Worcester I'd say um so uh, you know it's it's been it was an incredible comeback again from Exeter just to show that they're capable of doing that but but not unexpected i mean Exeter have got that capacity to score points very very quickly haven't they and uh, i think they were losing um, Earlier on in the season, about eleven eight to Worcester at halftime, and they won by forty points. So, uh, you know they, they they've got that ability. Um, they found it a bit harder this season, given how many international players that they've had picked. But uh, they're still the team to beat for for, for any side, I think. And uh, and they'll go to to Sandy Park, and it'll be interesting to see what side they'll send down there. Really, because um, when you're playing the same side twice in in two weeks at their ground, it's it's unusual. It's an unusual thing to happen in rugby. Particularly when the second game is uh, is a, is is a knockout for a place in the final. What you don't want to do is send your first team down there and get absolutely hammered the first time. So I suspect Alex sort will of mix and match his uh, his squad. He doesn't want to send a uh, a completely second team and be humiliated. But uh, it'll be a fascinating contest, and uh, yeah, it's going to go right to the wire.
1: They have, as we discovered this week, so they'll have five of the Springbok squad for, for, for the Lions series and on their books. Not all of them. Fit. Lou Diego's not fit at the moment, but the, the Depri brothers and and Hazen and Fafter Clerk, you know they, they they've been they've been powered by some Springbok beef, haven't they?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a nod to sale really for for the quality that they've got. I mean, just just on on the on the South African squad, um, I don't think there's a huge amount of surprise in in the squad that they've picked. They haven't played any rugby since the the World Cup in Japan. Every player who was in Japan for for South Africa has been picked, bar bar four, three that three of which have retired, one. One is uh, one is injured. They've got seven or eight uncapped players, including Jasper Visa from Leicester. So, uh, yeah, I think I think uh, what what Razi Erasmus has done is scoured the world and said, doesn't matter where you're playing, who you're playing for. There's guys from Japan. There's guys from France. There's guys from England. You know, we need everyone we can to to, to beat the beat the Lions. So, uh, interesting to see that they're playing Georgia twice before they trim their squad down to thirty five. I guess for them, it's whether they can get any meaningful rugby under their belts and the run-out before they play. And And anyone who thinks South Africa is suddenly going to play any differently to how they p- uh, have been playing for the last, uh, well, since the World Cup, I think that selection tells you everything. The only cloud they have is around Vermeulen, I guess, who picked up a big ankle injury over the weekend. And and let's hope him and, and Sam Simmons are, are, are both fit. Uh,
4: there, there are a lot of uh, players, sale players and players from outside, but of course they have have been playing week in week out tough rugby and they will be amongst the people who are probably at their best when they come into camp they the, i don't think georgia god bless them are, are going to be um they're not going to be uh, provide the same sort of contest as as Sale plane exeter or Sale plane bristol etc so that's given south africa quite a boost to have so many people Playing great rugby of here, but uh. just going back finally for the the, the last not one, my last word on the championship on the premiership and uh, and what it's done this season has been ridiculous; we knew it was going to be ridiculous when when Covid first struck, but to have these guys playing at full bore right at the end is a fantastic achievement mm. and says an awful lot about the character of a modern day player I keep on about it, but it's just just awesome, and rugby's so lucky with these guys with the commitment they show. And and even, as Lauren said, it, almost when there was nothing on it for, for, for Northampton, it, we're really, really lucky. And it could have gone the other way. It really could. And, and I think the lift that they've
3: got from their fans as well. I mean, Northampton were playing in front of their fans for the first time. And I think, you know, that, I mean, rugby is about emotion. It's it's a very, you know, and and the connection between the fan and the rugby player is is an integral part of, of creating that emotion, that, that two-way emotion. And I, I don't think we can underestimate that, even with only, what's 4,000, 6,000 fans. It makes such a difference to the, uh, to, the to to the the players. And I'm sure it would have inspired the Wasp boys. It would have inspired Saints. It would have inspired all those players who are, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 points down in a game. Uh, you know, when you've got people cheering for you and there were Wasp fans in Brentford, uh, yeah. it gives you that extra lift that you might need.
2: Yeah, I, I think as well that, what you touched on a bit earlier was the the sort of credit to the premiership, really, the quality. Someone like Jasper Wies has come over, not had an opportunity before, but he's proved himself in is what is such a highly renowned competitive league and it's given him an opportunity. I think proving yourself in a league like the Premiership can give you those opportunities to go back. So he's a he's a very tough, tough player to play against. I think he'll, especially if Emulin's not involved, it'd be interesting to see if he gets his his shot because he's a quality player.
1: On Steve's point about the, you know, the credit going to, to the players for for maintaining those standards when there's there's no relegation, teams have little to play for. What is it that drives a professional every week to to get that emotion to get to that emotional pitch that that is required to then go and and, and give everything that's needed in a in a in a Premiership rugby match?
2: It's always a tough one, isn't it? There's probably the biggest and most crucial thing to managing throughout a week, like Lawrence said, that you can't be off it mentally. So it's it's from the sort of top down really the coach is working on the messaging for the week because that can make a big difference what are the clear messages that we're going after how do we motivate the boys to to nail those goals and it it has to shift different to to change things up each week but then you've got a lot of games that come thick and fast coming up with new ideas that are going to work can become difficult as well it's uh, but then a lot of it is on the onus of the player I think for me personally it's I have aspirations for for England. I have aspirations to make my family proud. I want to I want to represent the club the best way I can, and I want to achieve something with Wasps. And for me, that is that is a a motivation that's with me every single day. It's what gets me through rehab. It's what gets me up in the morning. It's what I, it's it's the reason I I play rugby. But it, everyone's got different things, and, and it's a big thing for 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 coaches and and DORs to manage. Is some players have that. Some players love it, love and live and breathe it. Others do it because they love playing rugby and they're really enjoying it, but you, you need to get those lads to come along with everyone and, and really go for it. So it is is always a difficult task to, to get that, but that's when you know you've got a special group, when when everyone's motivated for every single minute of every game. And it shouldn't, for me, personally, I don't think it should be hard. I think <clears throat> we're incredibly lucky to be doing the doing this game and, and playing the sport we love.
3: A couple, couple of things there as well which resonate on oh, listening to what Jack's saying, that players have to be self-reliant. You know, you can't be blaming any others, you, um, you know, not wait for others to do anything for you, just be self-reliant. And, uh, you know, you've got to have, a, 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 from, from my own experiences as a player, you've got to have a real, hopefully a, a vision of, of what you want your life and your career to be and what type of you know person you want to be, what type of man you want to be and and have your own personal values, your own personal drivers, what's important to you as an individual to get you inspired. Uh, it's hard to do every game i accept that but uh you know you you almost become quite self reliant on uh, on that uh and not wait for anyone else to to give you that kind of motivation i think the players that do that are the ones that come out and and are able to perform at the highest level not just you know one week but absolutely every single week
1: fascinating um sort of insight into the treadmill that, that from the outside it looks like just relentless matches but rugby's not a game where you can just go in and cruise and 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 come out the other side. You've got to be all in, and so as I think, as Steve <coughs> said at the start of the conversation, you know, all credit to those those players who who yeah. find that emotional pitch yeah. every week and put themselves put themselves through it. And um, and now that we can we can all go back into the stadiums and, and watch that that connection is, is palpable. As you know, I know there was a family connection with with you, Jack and, and Tom, but um, I was at a, a London Irish game the other week and and just. I think that stadium is is brilliantly designed for, for for the acoustics. Exeter, they were playing Exeter. The Exeter fans were there, and there was a real connection with the fans. That the stadium's tight to the pitch, mm. you just feel a whole different. The game moves to a different level mm. when when the, when the fans are in.
2: Yeah, no, hundred percent. It, it is it, for me. It's it's nice. Uh, I'm sure Tom's the same. I think it's no coincidence that two of his best games. Um, of the season have been the, the last two weeks where fans are back I think him and I are very similar in the fact we're very emotional the way we play we we care a lot about having the people around us and and wanting to represent them so when you can hear those fans you know your family's in this in, in the stand as well it, it really really genuinely does make a difference and um something that I'm, I'm very jealous of at the moment um, but it's it's equally just as much of a motivation for me to to, to get back out there. That's, that's
3: a really interesting point, actually, because what I hadn't really considered a couple of weeks ago when fans came back, you know, I've been there, and as you have, Alex and, and Steve, in empty stadiums, is is it's the first time that mums and dads can watch their. Their, their sons or daughters play. You know that's pretty special. You know, for some of them, it's been over a year when they've they've missed that. I mean, my mum didn't miss a single game. She probably would have snuck in somehow under COVID restrictions anyway. But she, you know, I, I'm 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 quite serious, and and I think for the players themselves, you know, they have an understanding and an appreciation for the for the people that have given them the privilege of becoming a top rugby player. Um, you know, whether that's parents, brothers, grandparents. Rugby coaches, teachers, and I think for those people to actually be part of that of that situation for the for the for the last few weeks, I think it's just given everyone a massive lift.
4: Just think as well that you know, Jack was saying about there's a, there's a full preseason this time for the guys, and obviously there's going to be a few lions coming back who may, may or may not be tired. But I just think the potential of the league next year. I've, I've been very very critical of. Premiership rugby and, uh, and the way they, they've run things. But next year with Saracens back, uh, in, in, well, uh, if Saracens get through their double header, Saracens back with um, with London Irish really, really, you know, coming strong as I think they will. Wasse can have players back. It could be an epic. It could be one of the biggest uh, seasons there's been. If they're allowed to keep their players just a little more without Eddie taking them away every bloody week, um, I just think the Premiership could be could have its finest season next year, commercially, uh, crowds wise, and, and and in terms of standards. So you know, and I just think it'll be it'll be a great season. So, or, wouldn't say I'm looking forward to it already. Is uh, almost enough rugby for one season, but um, next season is going to be epic. Honestly,
1: Jack, one of those players who who is now going on the Lions is is Kyle Sinclair, who. Was the biggest omission from the original squad and has now now received a call up with Andrew Porter being injured. But we saw how emotional he was, how how desperately disappointed he was to originally miss out. That has obviously fueled some recent performances and will no doubt fuel him through the tour. What kind of a character is he in a in a in a squad? You've you've been in England squads with him. We he's quite a reluctant player to do interviews. When he does, he's fascinating and he's got you know he's got a, he's got opinions on the game and on um and on the game's reach and and on issues beyond rugby that that are really valuable and worth listening to and, and 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 do the game a great service but he doesn't like doing those interviews very often so we don't really see a huge amount about what he's like as a as a character in the squad what does he bring to a team
2: yeah i i think that was he was one of the guys that um everyone you sort of have a perception of everyone going into into games and he's he's always quite a, a gnarly player to play against and and really gives it everything and then you go into camp and you realize what what a lovely bloke he is first first and foremost for me especially my first camp he was incredibly welcoming when I didn't really know no loads of lads that well and it was my first camp and he, he sort of put an arm around me a few times and and help where I needed it and just had a chat with me, which was great. And then also he's he's a he's a really big leader amongst the group. He's he's obviously got lots of experience now and, in, and, he, and a really sort of validated international. Um so I was gutted for him when he when he didn't get into the squad, but he's worked worked incredibly hard to get back involved. And I think that's the thing with rugby that sadly, and and as a positive, there's there's injuries, there's change all the time. So your opportunity is, is only uh, it could be minutes away. You, a couple of people could drop out in seconds. So keeping yourself at the top of your game and being ready for it is, is paramount, really.
1: I remember a few years ago, Owen Owen Slott did a, uh, went to Harlequins to see him and they spent an hour just talking about scrummaging and and his almost photographic memory of, of, of the, the big scrums in his career for <laughs> him going to South Africa. Would be um would be a, just a just a perfect challenge, wouldn't it? Particularly after after the World Cup final and, and and what he did get the chance to do on that stage.
3: I wonder I wonder why Slotty didn't have a clue about what yeah, what was Sloty about right, scrimmaging?
4: <laughs> i have never
3: mentioned the scrum before. <laughs> exactly, but you're absolutely right. I mean, look, there's there's the, the South Africans, as you know, believe that they are the best scrummagers in the world. Um and they they they, they you know they they will be targeting the lions particularly after that world cup final where they really went after england right from 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 minute 1 and uh, um yeah so so it's going to be a huge contest um you know in that area and you look at the uh, the locks that they picked i mean it looks like a horror movie just in itself just so just all that you know just that cast of locks that they've got is just for, there's so much power in that's in that team so carl's going to be a big part of that and uh, it's great that he that he's back and um, you know i can't remember Jonesy you'll probably know better than anyone but sadly you know when i went on my first Lions tour there were seven guys that ended up being replaced um you know here we are we haven't even got to south africa yet and there's already one been replaced and and there'll probably be a few more as well so for all those guys on the on the periphery i think there's there still remains a great opportunity to be part of the tour and um and yeah really really looking
4: forward to it you do feel sorry for andrew porter i think he's a really good player a real yeah. strong lad i possibly not a an extravagant talent. But d- down there, I think he would have done well. So I'm sure Kyle will fill his boots br- brilliantly, but you do feel sorry for these guys who, you know, And but at least he's young and he's got a chance to come in four years' time.
1: As Jack said at the start, you know, that is a, that's an important thing to remember because as, as great a chance it is for Kyle, it, it'd, be, it'd be very difficult for Andrew Porter being at home watching a Lions tour that he knew he could have been on. Just, add, I get, just, we should just finish off with two quick things. One is, there's an England squad named this week for the summer. I mean, Kyle would have would have, Was being talked of as a as a potential captain, which which I guess demonstrates how far he's 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 grown as a as a leader in that setup. He won't be there. Eddie Jones is advertising for a new attack coach and and is it, and talking about a new look squad for the summer. Is there anyone? I mean, Jack, you are allowed to pick your brother. Is there anyone you're you're hoping to see in that squad that you're excited to see get their get their first chance
2: with with, with England this summer? Obviously, I would love to love to see Tom involved. I think a performance like like last weekend could could give you you a shot he's sort of been had a couple of of sort of injuries early on in the season and been in and around it playing playing some really good rugby but really picked it up the last two games so could be an opportunity there from from the squad I'd love to see Gabriel Ogre our hooker I think he's an incredibly skillful player um Worked so hard on his his scrummaging, his lineouts coming along because it's something that was big a big work on for him. But also physically, starting to to put in some bigger tackles. He's starting to to chuck himself about, about around the park. Um, he's someone I'd love to see involved. And then for me, I know Tom West was was in in and around the the last squad, but I'd love to see him get a cap. Um, I think he deserves it as well. I think he's been fantastic this season and been, as you say, Lawrence. There wasn't much going going for us in that first half, but um, Westy was was certainly dominating at scrum time, and he has done all year. So uh, that's obviously such an important role as a as a, a prop. That's your your number one job, and and he does that to to the best of his abilities. But yeah, there's there's a few. I think Marcus Smith for me, again, been around training. It was an apprentice. I'd love to see him be involved as well as Jacob, and and have those two really going at each other because him and Jacob could really push each other. Similar players in some ways, different in others. It could be quite exciting to have them um, training against each other.
3: I think of all. I mean, look, we we have to remind ourselves that four years ago, um, when Eddie Jones took took the squad to Argentina, albeit a very different rugby landscape than maybe playing uh, the USA, Canada, and Scotland. Admittedly, but. Uh, Sam Underhill and Tom Curry were, were you know, made their, made, made their debuts. And Tom Curry has 33 England caps now, you know, um, his brother Ben Curry was picked in that first test uh, to play and and obviously got injured and he doesn't have one cap yet. So um, <laughs> I think he's got a bit of catching up to do with his brother. Uh, and I think Ben's been going pretty well for, uh, for, um, for sale. Uh, I, I like the looks of Harry Randall. I think Harry Randall's been very unlucky with England. I think I'd like to see, looking forward to seeing him play again. Um, you know, he's scored a try on his first return since January, so I think he's got a lot to offer. Um, and I think there's a whole there's a whole group of sort of young wingers um, that uh, that that they might go and choose from. Maybe even Freddie Stewart might get a, might get a look in. Um, he's been outstanding for Leicester. Watson and Charlie Atkinson. I think he's quite a good utility player that. That, that that might get taken. So yeah, look, there's there's so much talent available for, for Eddie Jones to look at. Uh, I understand he took England training uh, under-20s a few weeks ago and sort of you know got them all in a huddle and said, look, you know, a couple of you guys could easily be in the World Cup. You know, in a few years' time, it doesn't take long now for for players to to really push on through. So um, whilst it's not Argentina, and I'm sure the guys would love to be travelling there, it is an opportunity to play test rugby in an England shirt against quality opposition.
4: So uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And as I always say on these occasions, finally, what has Josh Bassett got to do to get a a looking for any representative team at any stage? So the last three years, he's been the most dangerous winger. His his defence and his tenacity has improved beyond measure. And what has he got to do to get anywhere near an England squad?
1: Maybe he could be your pick for the England Euro twenty twenty squad, like I asked at the start, Jonesy. Okay, no, I doubt it. He's
4: not, <laughs> he's not a footballer. Okay,
1: <laughs> which rugby player? Let's go back to the start. Which rugby player would you like? Would you pick for that squad if you could?
4: For the England football squad. Yeah. Well, it's easy. Tom Willis. <laughs>
2: How, he, how are they going to stop I, him? I wouldn't. He's got two left feet. No <laughs> well, that'll do him.
4: If he's got the <laughs> ball at his feet and he's charging up the field, who's going to tackle him?
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> definitely better when it's in his hands. That's for, that's for sure. <laughs> that's me <laughs> goal. Right.
4: Maybe that's not a good idea.
2: <laughs> Jack uh, and Robson. That we we did a we did have a bit of fun. Um, although a lot of the props fancy themselves earlier on in the year when we had a bit of a uh, we had a couple of weeks off. I can't remember the reason. Couple of weeks off from games on a Monday morning. I had a mess around a bit of five side, and Dan Robson's pretty handy, I have to say. I'd back myself, but unfortunately, my, one of my legs isn't working fully at the moment, so <laughs> can't make it.
3: <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? You always hear with these rugby players when they when they start talking. Oh yeah, I had trials for so and so, and you yeah. know, Crystal <laughs> yeah. Palace. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah, they, you were so good, they took you on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> basically you were so good they told you no no r- football's not for you rugby's for you mate yeah. <laughs> I mean we all want to be professional football players let's be honest and if you can't be a professional football player then yeah you play rugby and if you can't catch then they put you in a boat and you end up being a rower but um <laughs> the, uh, the reality is that I would take uh Johnny Hill because um I'm a bit concerned about our goalkeeping uh, fraternity at the uh, at the Euros, and I think anyone that size could just um, could get could get in goal for England because I think Good we job. might need to we might need to stop a few goals.
1: <laughs> <laughs> guys, listen, it's been great, great chat. Thank you very much for joining us, Jack. I look forward to catching up with you soon. Keep going with that rehab. Good luck with it. We can't wait to see you back playing. Uh, you Steve and Lawrence. Thanks for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you,
3: guys. Good luck, Jack.
2: Cheers, guys.